Hi guys, before we get started with this week's episode, we just have a little bit of news for you. Oh yes. We do. The news is that we now have a dedicated section on the official Manchester United app just for our podcast. Mazed Garnet, loving it? Yes, loving it. We know what you're thinking. Why should I move my favourite podcast app all the way over to a new app? Well, two reasons. Reason one is that you will get the podcast a whole 24 hours earlier. I think that's a really good reason. That's 24 hours earlier than everywhere else. And you can be first in line to hear every new episode. Yeah, and reason number two is it allows us to bring you so much more than just the episode. So if we talk about goals, you'll be able to see the goals within the app and you'll also see associated articles and something a lot of people have requested. You'll be able to watch more episodes of the podcast all in one place which to me seems sensational Mm -hmm. but if you're not convinced and want to stay where you are that's fine too we'll still bring you our pods right here every week as usual right here right now but also if you're on the app you won't have to sit through us telling you all this every time that's good isn't it yeah because this is going to get repeated if you're listening on something else but not on the app Uh, anyway that's it the official Manchester United app now has a podcast section loads going on in there check it out now on with this episode download the app Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester United podcast. I'm Helen Evans, joined by Maisie and Sam as always. Hello guys. Hello Helen. How are you mate? Good, I'm fine, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, really good. Yeah, also good. There's a lot of good going on here, everybody's good. Everybody's good. Have you been really good Sam? Uh, I've been quite good, as you know I'm not allowed to leave the house because I'm isolating, but I'm fine, I mean I am good, I'm healthy, I'm just stuck in, which is fine, but um gets a little trying, doesn't it, being in? It's nice to get out. I mean, there's always yeah. stuff to do, but it's nice to get out. Yeah. Uh, you two have been out, though, haven't you? You've both been having a lovely time. Yeah. yeah I had a little jaunt to um, Gibraltar. That was nice. Who did you go with, Maisie? I just went on my own to... Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was actually to do the Manchester Derby with um, some fans down there, which didn't nice. quite work out the way it should have no. done. But, hey-ho, less of that. But... Gibraltar's really nice, isn't it? For anyone who Gibraltar, Gibraltar was really nice. Really nice. And it was absolutely gorgeous. What about you, Bells? Where have you been? I've been to Belfast over international break, which was very good because I haven't actually been to a Northern Ireland game since, I would say, September 2019, which is crazy, really, when wow. you think about it. Wow, yeah. So they played Lithuania on Friday night and they played... Italy on Monday night. Italy had to um, win to qualify, but Northern Ireland, good old Northern Ireland, hard to break down, you see. It was nil-nil. So Italy now go into the playoffs. There was also one specific player played pretty well, didn't they? Johnny played very well indeed. He was actually doing a lot of we showboating, guys. We weren't guys. really insinuating that. We were somebody else was on about, but I don't know. Did you see the official FIFA World Cup Twitter account? Posted a tweet about him. Was that in relation to Switzerland? Yeah, saying he's now got 8.5 million extra fans as the population of Switzerland will be delighted. Yeah, because they they automatically (laughs) qualified because Italy didn't win. Yeah, he played very well. Showing off lots of tricks, nutmegs Mm. and everything. I know. Where's he get that from? The garden? I don't know. I I actually don't know. So, yes, it was very good. Nice to touch base back home and see some family. So that was good, yep. Should we talk about the dog that's barking? Oi! Shush! I want a podcast. <laughs> there you go. So today we are on Zoom, Sam, because you are in isolation and Maisie and I are also at home. Um, <laughs> on Zoom, we recorded this podcast a few weeks ago at Old Trafford. I was prepared for 
all weather. I wore my new duvet coat, which was very cozy. Yes, it looked like, um, for anyone wondering, you know Arsene Wenger's sleeping bag coat that he would famously yeah. wear? Like that. And Helen turned up and she's going, this is my new coat. Isn't it amazing? And all anybody said was, looks like you're wearing a sleeping bag, mate. <laughs> she was like, isn't it great? <laughs> Absolutely buzzing with that coat. But yes, we had a chat a few weeks ago with Phil Bardsley. Who is united through and through? I think it's fair to say, Maisie. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Salford, born and bred, and his love for the club, as you can see through the podcast, or you'll you'll hear it through the podcast, was um, was, was sensational. Great lad, lovely lad, and uh, proper mank, proper mank, proper mank. And he's went on to have an incredible career in the Premier League too. He has. He's done ever so well. Yeah, considering the limited time he had at United. You know, he's gone on to be um, a really top, top fullback, occasionally centre-half for um, numerous clubs. Done really, really well. Great lad. I have a lot of time for him. His grandfather as well worked in the digs, which was very interesting. Yeah. it's uh, We don't often get many people like that, do we, in the, in the no. podcast? I, don't think, I think that's the first one. We don't really get very many many people as local as that. Obviously, we've had members of the class of 92. But yeah, it was really nice to have him on, knowing that, as I said, just a pure United guy. Yeah. I love that about him. So also, his name was cut before, isn't it? Because Bojan was talking about his granddad and sort of what a legend he was and what a character he was around the area. And also, there's that the thing where... I mean, I didn't know, really, before talking to him, how big an influence Manchester United had on his life and his family and mm. like that he's really into it. And then there was that moment, wasn't there, where he was involved in Marcus Rashford getting sent off. And you think at that point he must have been getting dogs abuse from United fans. And that must have been really weird as a United fan to be in that situation. Yeah, I can't answer that one, Maisie. What's that like? I don't know. I've never got anyone sent off. (laughs) (laughs) Quickly forgiven. Quickly forgiven is what I would say. Well, we can get his opinion on it, can't we? Yeah, we can. So here we go then. We join this conversation. We are sat outside at Old Trafford looking over the pitch and Phil is telling us all about life in the northeast. Good people, to be fair. They're good. Yeah, yeah they're nice people, aren't they, Jordies? Can he like? Aye. Good golf as well, mate. You get up to Scotland in an hour and a half. Oh. Is that how far it is? Yeah, like North Berwick side, yeah, you can get up there yeah. an hour and 45. Yeah. Right, we're never ready. Right, I'm going to interrupt you, Phil, because if we get Maisie on golf, we'll never get anywhere near football. Talking about no. golf, I'm teeing off at half fun. Come There on. we go. Phil Barsley, welcome to United Podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, for those of you listening, we are sat at Old Trafford. We're outside in the stands. It's a little bit nippy. Helen's wearing a sleeping bag, so she's all right. That's my new coat. Yeah, and it's <laughs> lovely. Thank you. Very nice. Phil, so what does it feel like for you, having gone through your career to the stage you're at now at Burnley, to be back at Old Trafford on a day where I guess there isn't a game, so you're not thinking about trying to get three points, you just get to be here, like the rest of us. What what emotions does it conjure? It all comes flooding back, to be honest. It's, uh, it's something I've had from such a young age, being around Old Trafford and Littleton Road and the cliff. I live 50 yards away from um, Littleton Road training pitch, so we used to see these guys coming out of training on a daily basis in the school holidays and... We all wanted to grow up and, and be and be like these and, and obviously play for play for the biggest club in the world. So when you come back now and, and see it and obviously come back a few weeks ago to watch the game against Newcastle when obviously Cristiano made his return. I had the obviously privilege to bring my kids along. It's the first time they've been in a long time and you know they was desperate to come and such an exciting feel around the place and um 
you know, the kids kids loved it and, you know, it's just great to be back and, and see some familiar faces. Are they all Manchester United fans, your kids? Yes, they are. Been drilled into them from yeah. an early age. <laughs> uh, my wife's uh, mum and dad, they're Liverpool fans, unfortunately. Mm. So I had to make sure the kids grew up and, you know, they, were, they picked the right team. <laughs> Is it difficult being a fan whilst playing for another Premier League team? Like, are you able to maintain that mindset or is it something you push aside until you've finished? Yeah, obviously, you're always, you're always looking out for the results and obviously, first and foremost, you, the most important thing is to, to play and, and, and do your job for, for the team that you're representing. But I'm always looking to see where United and what United are up to. That will always remain the same. And yeah, as I say, my job at the minute, obviously, is still at Burnley and obviously will do for the, for the remaining future. But... Um, as I say, I'll always have affiliation with this club and you know, that'll never go away. What about when you play the Scousers? Do you get on your missus then or do you just... Um, you know, cause she sort of like takes a mum and, mum and dad's side because they've obviously grew up over them side. So it's a sticky situation in the house and it's, a, it's, a, it's um, you know, we're all reds. All the yeah. kids are red, so they've all got the jerseys on and obviously we're screaming at the telly. And, but it's, uh, it gets a bit frosty at times. On frostiness, uh, was it awkward for you when uh, a couple of years ago you had a coming together with I Marcus Rashford? Yeah. <laughs> well, I imagine, like for you, you're just playing the game, you're doing what you need to do, you're trying to win the game. But I suppose the reaction you got from United fans isn't a reaction you ever wanted no. or hoped for. No, it wasn't nice at all, especially the aftermath of it, of obviously social media now and, mm. and stuff like that. But it was just one of them things. It was it was heat at the moment. We were losing the game. Uh, United were dominant in the game we needed to somehow get back in the game and um yeah the little incident happened and unfortunately Marcus got sent off and we didn't actually get back in the game but no it wasn't it wasn't nice but it's one of them things where I say heat of the moment and things things happen but we actually seen each other in the Trafford Centre a couple of weeks later and had a laugh and a joke about it to be honest so sort of like cleared the air and moved on and um you know the good people uh he's got a good family around him Marcus and Obviously, they live quite close to us, so we bump into his mum and his brother's quite regular and, you know, they're a brilliant family and um, it was just nice to clear the air up a couple of weeks after the incident. What's the situation with you? Obviously, you're still playing at Burnley yeah. and your contract runs out at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm saying that it's oh, time for you to hang up your boots. Are you retiring now? No, no, no. no. <laughs> it's it? But it's unbelievable that you're still playing. You know, 36, not many people play, you know, their whole lives in yeah, the yeah. Premier League for, for all that time. Do you have any aspirations to coach when you are Ready I, to finish? Obviously getting to the age that I am now, obviously coming towards the end of my career. The end of your career is a bit like the start of your career in a, in a sense that you don't play as many games as you like. You play the odd league game, cup game. So in a sense, you have to start thinking about what's next and where's my next contract or the next thing that I'm going to do outside of football. But coaching something that I'll always look at because I feel like I've, I've been in the game that long, I've played at a high level. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be stupid not to give something back to to the next generation of kids coming through. And yeah, it's an option. It's an option. Obviously, coaching, I said to Maisie before, coaching, scouting, recruitment side, whatever it may be. I'm I'm always intrigued in football. I'm always watching it. My wife hates me for it. I'm is always watching some sort of game on a telly, but it's just it's just in you. You just um yeah, just football's in you. So Coaching, maybe, I'd say recruitment, I don't know, scouting. So we'll have to wait and see. But at the minute, I'm just trying to enjoy the last couple of years of playing. You know, I look after myself. I'm in, I'm in decent condition. So there's there's no doubt I w- wouldn't be able to play another year. 
year or two. So we'll take it from here. We'll see how this season goes. Mm. Uh, like I say, the games have, have been few and far would, between. Would you step down? Yeah, I probably, yeah. I probably would, Maisie, to be fair, because I love playing football. Yeah. I love being involved in it and that, that day-to-day changing yeah, room feel absolutely. that you come away from, players come away from the game and they say what do you miss the most and it's it's normally the camaraderie yeah. and the crack in the dressing room so yeah just for that sort of feel and probably just obviously being at Burnley now seeing some of the young kids come through and helping them develop and mm-hmm. and obviously help them on match days and during the week and give them a bit of guidance and and, and help as these guys did to us when we were when we were coming through the through the youth system I think it's important that they they feel like they've got Older mm-hmm. players, senior players to turn to, and as I say, I'm not playing as regular as I like, but I'd like to think I'm doing a bit off the pitch. Mm-hmm. Who are you? Sort of pointed at Maisie there. Who were the players that you felt were helping you at that that sort of stage in their careers? Probably at the time when the, the transition from under 19s to reserves, and then obviously into the first team, you had like obviously Wes, Fletch, Shazer, obviously Maisie and Giggsy, Scolzy, and people. Like, it was always probably. Sounds a bit cliche, but like the lads that are from Manchester, mm-hmm. Manchester yeah. way, because they knew what it felt like and they knew the feeling of, of young lads obviously making that transition. It's not easy to come into an environment where you're watching these boys win trophies season in, season out, and the mindset they had and the, the way they dedicated themselves to training every day. The training was like, the training, I tell you, the training was like matches. Yeah. yeah. Like the Friday morning before the Saturday game was. When I first went over, it was it was incredible. The pace, the the intensity, and the desire to win on a Friday, and you had no doubts in your head going into a game Saturday. They was no matter who was in front of them, they were getting turned over. Yeah, Maisie's talked before, especially the the Friday before a Liverpool game. Friday, kiddo, yeah, kiddo would just stop training because that's it. That's enough. Yeah, You've enough. done enough because you're kicking ten bells of crap out of each yeah, other. Yeah. Because it'd always be the young versus the old. It was. We, we funny enough, we we used to do that with. Obviously, Neil Bailey in the under 17s coming through. We was um, we used to play that quite often. It was either young v old, or it was the locals v the out of towners, and it just brought a chemistry together and a togetherness. Mm. And obviously, through that youth team, the youth 17s and 19s reserves, we went on to be quite dominant. And um, I think that was built from from the from the training and the intensity and the obviously togetherness that we had and. We, and we were really successful through them years. Mm-hmm. Right, let's go back to the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, we spoke to Bojan and he told us a wonderful story about your granddad. Yeah. So I imagine he was a big figure in your formative years. But what was life like for you growing up uh, around Salford and Manchester? Was football your number one passion? Did you enjoy school? Have you got any siblings? Football has always been a big part of, big part of my life. Uh, as I mentioned before, you live 50 yards away from Littleton Road training ground. So... We always had that feeling, that connection of obviously being associated with United. And then my mum and dad, when I was 10, 11, took over the local social club. So they had all the regulars going in there who were big United fans and uh, and so on and so on. Obviously brothers, cousins, aunties, uncles, grandparents have all been associated with United in some capacity. And um my granddad, uh, John Lancaster, was uh, was one that would look after well, look after players in digs. He had uh, Quinton Fortune when he first came over, and then he obviously had a long stint with Luke Chadwick. But Chaddy was his golden boy. He loved Chadder, and I think <laughs> Chaddy loved him as well more because 
he used to get never mind when we used to go around see my granddad he was chaddy was his was his golden boy he was like give him everything whatever you need he had <laughs> he used to go up to chaddy's bedroom to see him and he was just drinks and sandwiches and sweets and <laughs> just everything but so we've always had that and uh, that relationship and obviously Dave Bushell had a great relationship with with my granddad and then you had a street next uh, street next to where my granddad lived was was John Hart who used to drive the minibus from obviously Salford to fit the lads up all the way to drop them into Carrington so there's always that feeling that connection of of people around Salford who was just in around where I was from who just loved being part of United no matter where where they were and and that's still going now we're still games still on in my mum and dad's mum and dad's club and you know still love going down there and obviously if we've got a game on a Saturday and United are on on a Sunday and a good fix will pop down and have a few drinks and what's the club called? Lower Curzel Social Club what is it? yeah Lower Curzel Social Club yeah there you go. does anybody actually in the family go and watch you or do they all just come watch United? no they do yeah they do <laughs> funny enough they do twice, twice a season twice a yeah, season yeah. Burnley player absolutely but um, yeah they do obviously I'm very grateful for my family because they've put a lot of hard work dedication as well as I have but they have obviously followed me all around the country and and helped me get to where I needed to get to and and they sacrificed a lot picking me up dropping me up and down the country and at a young age and I'm, I'll be forever grateful for 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 the hours and the mm. and the time they put in into that how did they move and the next step from what junior football school football yeah I was playing for Charlestown at the time and um, we were quite dominant in the league we had, we had a couple of really good players and um, we were aware well I wasn't aware the parents were all aware that there was scouts from United yeah. and City and that um, knocking around and they were actually watching another lad when I actually got scouted when I was nine so fortunately enough that day I had a, had a decent enough game and, and then it was quite bizarre how it worked out because I actually got two letters in the same week for the School of Excellence. Got one off United and then I got one off City as well. So I think there was only ben. one yeah. <laughs> shredder. <laughs> Straight in the shredder, that blue one. But um, yeah, obviously very fortunate. And it was just, it was a game where I played well and obviously we had a good good grassroots team and we was very dominant. And um, yeah. What was that like the, getting the letter? What, what was it? <sighs> Tears, everything, yeah, all yeah, that. all that's the emotion of it. it. No, I didn't know they would. I didn't. My dad would never. My dad knew there, but he never yeah, come yeah. home and say, "Oh, the United Scouts there," because parents have never been pushy. They never yeah. be. They never been pushy like that. But you've got to do this. Go. You got a letter from United. Go away. Do this. They've never been like that. And um, yeah, when you get the letter through the door, it's Jesus. This is it. Destined. This mm-hmm. is my destiny. This is what I wanted to do from from when I could kick a ball at six or seven, this is living so close to the training ground as playing for United was was everything. So what was it like when you first turned up and, and you started doing training sessions with United? What age was this, sorry? This was nine. Nine. So obviously I went from nine all the way through the system to the first team, which is quite an hard thing to do. Yeah, I read that when you left the club, yeah. you were the only player at the time that had been in every age group and come all the way through. I didn't know that. I thought it was more the players than just me, but you know, it's something to be proud of. I'm sure because it wasn't e- an easy journey. There's so many good players along the way. The ups, the downs. Is he big enough? Is he strong enough? Is he quick enough? I'm not sure he's going to make it. Mm-mm-mm. All these questions that get asked of you, but year after year, you just keep producing. And then it got to the age where I was 
15, 16, and I could see my development going to the next level. And when it was 16 in the year, obviously the season after would get to the, get your YTS. We played in a tournament in Belfast, and I actually played sweeper. I, actually, I was going to actually ask you, were you always the same position as a no, child? No, I actually played various positions. So I played right back, right midfield, midfield, centre-back. And then uh, I played sweeper in this tournament in, in Ireland and uh, I got played at a tournament. And that I think that's what tipped their mm-hmm. decision to obviously take me Was that in the milk uh, cup, full-time. No, no, it wasn't the milk cup. The milk cup was a season after. Um, I can't remember what the tournament yeah. was. I actually played. So I played sweeper and then obviously when it did get me YT and I come in and then... I played centre half for for two years before getting shifted out, right? Because we weren't big enough. So, but yeah, it was the transition, and obviously, I say the the ups and the downs mm-hmm. that every parent, every player faces through through that through them years. I'm having it now with my son. He's he's twelve at Stoke, and you know social media, and they're looking at this, mm-hmm. looking at that, and they, I think sometimes they forget the hard work that's got to go into it. Mm-hmm. You think sometimes it's just think they're going to wake up and be a professional yeah. footballer it's it doesn't just work mm-hmm. like that you've got to work I remember hours and hours and hours against the club doors of my, my dad's club with the fire exits bang just pretending I was Beckham and yeah <laughs> block tackles against the uh against the brick wall pretending I was Robson and Keane <laughs> so like, looking back now I think what was I doing there it was worth it though yeah, yeah it's it worth it dreams as a kid though wasn't it yeah, yeah. wanted to do all that so he had the, the fire exit and I was just bending balls and cracking balls and there were people going in, there was Cabrera, Cabrera out and I sat in, they were going in and ducking out. <laughs> and then my dad would walk out about half eight, nine, he'd be going, right, come on, in now. It's like balls bouncing against the... Did it, when you look back, does it feel like, because obviously to get to that level, to get through the age groups each year and each year and, yeah. and players uh, are moved on and stuff, you obviously have to be very dedicated and, and stay mm-hmm. committed. Do you feel like you were making decisions to be dedicated or were you just doing what you loved all the time? Um, I think a bit of both. I think uh, I love going there every day. I love going training at the cliff. I couldn't wait to get home. I, to be perfectly honest, I didn't really like school that much. Um, I tried my best. I wasn't an academic wizard or anything like that. And But I'd go, I'd, in, yeah. I'd have a bit of fun and camaraderie at school. But football was my priority and that's just... It's what I loved and I loved getting home on a Tuesday and a Thursday because then it was Tuesday training, Tuesday and Thursday nights. And then obviously I play for Salford Boys on a Saturday morning. And then obviously United introduced, we train Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday morning, game Sunday. So that sort of cut playing for any sort of mm-hmm. gra- grassroots team out. And yeah, I just obviously sacrifices along the way where you get to that 14, 15 and all your mates are... Going, going to the skill out, disco. up to no good yeah. and you're like probably get to nine half nine and you're like right that's enough for me I'm, I've got training tomorrow or, and obviously towards the end of the weekend of Friday everyone's excited it's weekend and football's coming up and can stay out an extra hour but I'm really interesting to be honest and I made up for it in later life don't, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. don't worry about that <laughs> so lot, age nine you joined the academy who were the influential coaches when you look back yeah, on your so, career moving up till the YTS stage yeah some brilliant coaches obviously Paul McGuinness Tony Whelan uh, Tommy Martin and then obviously going through the going through the ages first year as YT Neil Bailey was terrific Dave Williams for a, a small spell in the under-19s. And then, obviously, Brian McClare and Ricky Spragia, mm-hmm. who were all brilliant for me, to be fair. He was put so much time and effort 
and they were all they were all similar characters, were all firm but fair. And um, I'm very grateful to them for the time that they put in with me. And because there were times in between nine and sixteen where obviously you're unsure of what's going on, mm. and you're a bit small, or so before you you're not sure if you if you're going to get your next contract or not. But you know they put the time and the work yeah. in, and you know I'll be forever grateful for that. Mm-hmm. What advice then do you have for your son growing up? Because obviously he's seen you become yeah. a professional, playing the Premier League, play at the highest level. Obviously now, 20 years later on, you're you coming to the end of your career and mm-hmm. he's just on the first rung of that ladder. Mm. Does he come to your advice or does he just think? Or did you yeah, just... Yeah, well, I try and help him in, in a way you can. Yeah, I was... I'm not really... I'm not a pushy parent. No. Neither were mine. So I don't really want to... Even if he has a good game, a bad game. And I, I'll advise him and say, yeah. maybe do this a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I'll never say, Cal, you need to do this, yeah, you need yeah, to do that. Yeah. I'll leave that to the coaches because that's what they're sure, employed yeah, yeah. for. So... Yeah. But I'll try and educate him, I'll try and help him in the garden and stuff that he needs to work on. But they need to, young players believe that it takes a lot of hard work and dedication. You can't just, as I said before, you can't just wake up and expect no. to be a professional football player. There's a lot of go into it and sacrifices is probably Helen will know with Johnny and the things he's had to sacrifice coming through and and even even for your professional career, you miss out on certain things yeah. in your life. But at a young age, at that age, it's important that you, you're sacrificing your obviously put the work in and the time mm-hmm. and don't leave anything off the training pit. Empty the tank every training session and every game because you never know who's watching or whose eye you might catch. And, and we always knew, even at that, them younger years, it was a pathway to play for this club because mm-hmm. it's been done before in, in previous teams. Who was in your age group then uh, in the YTS in the first year? So we had Luke stealing goal, uh, Lee Sims right back, and then they'd have been... Me, Paul McShane, centre half, Lee Lawrence left back. You had Danny Byrne, David Jones, Kane Richardson, Ben Collett, and then you had David Poole, Eddie Johnson, and Mads Tim. And then obviously you had the younger group that had come up and played with us to, to mm-hmm. fill the numbers on injuries, etc., and fill the bench and stuff. So, yeah, everyone, they all put the work in, all put the work in, all dragged the best out of each other. Then. Just counting there, there's, there's probably four of you who made it into the pro game. Yeah. Ben Collett, obviously, yeah. Yeah, bad injury, a bad, really bad injury against Middlesbrough away in the, a reserve game, broke his leg. And obviously, him, as much it? as he loved the game, it just never, he was just never the same player. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, really, because he was probably more dedicated than maybe yeah. he would have seen it than anyone. He used to be, he was in the gym every day with a tennis ball against the wall, juggling. And he'd be looking, what's he doing there? <laughs> but that was his thing. And he used to do the quick feet, the ladders and stuff. But. Unfortunately, he got a he got a career en- ending injury and, and never recovered from it. Mm-hmm. But everyone went on to play at a certain level, and yeah. I think from the work that they put in from such a young age, I think they all deserved that because they, they were all dedicated to to coming in every day and and try to aspire to to be the best and and try and get into the first team and play on air, which which is not an easy thing to do. Which you did, obviously. Yeah. How old when were you when you made your debut? Made my debut at eighteen. Uh, West Brom away mm-hmm. we, we actually lost 2-0 which was disappointing but I actually had a decent enough game obviously Ronaldo was in front of me and etc and I was enthusiastic and the first five minutes I remember they had the ball in the in their left their left back had the ball in in, the, in their half and I flew past Ronaldo and the kid and I just I just smashed him and Ronaldo turned around and what are you doing? I was like, I'm just so enthusiastic. I just want to make, make an impression and stuff. And I just thought like that, I'm thinking, 
Mustafa, <laughs> who's this lunatic here they brought him? But for you to come through the whole youth system, and Sam mentioned it there, going through every single stage and to come out here and make your debut, yeah, yeah. it just must have been an un- unbelievable experience. Did Sir Alex Ferguson talk to you before? And when did you know in advance that you were going to play? I sort of like had a, I sort of like went through from like 17s, 19s. And then in the 19s, I was like training with the first team a little bit, playing the mm-hmm. reserves and back to the 19s. So they were probably testing me mentally where, where I was when they took me up, brought me back down. And then um, I think it was a Monday morning. I think the game might have been on a Tuesday night. And he just said, he, like his usual, mm. he just said, oh, are you feeling okay? I was like, yeah, yeah. He said, are your family going to the game? I was like, um, not sure, because it's, it's quite a long Birmingham, isn't it? Yeah. Like, like yeah. an hour and a half, two hours. He just like, make sure to go to the game. I was like, and then he obviously picked the team and I was like, oh my God, shaking. <laughs> <laughs> going on here. All your mates, I was like, tomorrow. And then, did you sleep? No, did it? No, no. Obviously, you do all that thing where yeah, you yeah. obviously go to the hotel in the afternoon. I'm jumping off the wall. Can't get me out of this room. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get out. Just get me out there and just let me go. Just let him off my lead. Was on your own, or who was your room with? Yeah, he did it. Obviously, on your own level, then. United, yeah. where you're, everyone's on their own. I quite like that, and then obviously got used to it through my career. And then when I went to different teams, who tried to put you into somewhat, put you in yeah. the rooms with someone else. I was like. No, this is United where I'm in my, I'm in on my own. <laughs> Maisie wasn't in on his own, were you? No, I had, he I, had his teddy. I, 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 yeah, my teddy, big, big Polly was my teddy bear, yeah. He was a nightmare. Yeah, so, but obviously, like that, people go to bed at this. Some people like a kip, some don't. And I, my worst nightmare now would be like with the young lads, because I can hear them next door now on these games and stuff like that. Mm. I'm just like banging on the door yeah. keep that down because they've got their headsets on and they can't hear a thing they can, you know, yeah. talking to someone you've just made yourself sound 500 years old oh, I, honestly I can't, I can't stand it the, the noise going down the corridor you can hear them down the corridor yeah. like, that's because you've got three boys when you go to a hotel you want peace yeah, and quiet peace I get it I get it just put the telly on relax <laughs> yeah. up to that point and making your debut what was your relationship like with Sir Alex because obviously you joined very yeah. young when were your first interactions did you have many conversations with him going through the you set up? Um, not really, no. Uh, it was more when we went in full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you do that first year, obviously it's back then it was under 17s, under 19s reserves. So under 17s, when you f- your first week you go in, you do your initiation into the yeah. first team's SMM, which is an awful experience. Can you remember yours? Oh, I think I think I danced with dance with a brush or something like that <laughs> it was awful awful ex- it was it was awful awful experience it was a, it was but a poor one it it gives us that relationship bond. sort of feeling yeah. bond with obviously these guys and obviously we had to go in the dressing room and entirely the dressing room on every day when we was there after after the lads had left but it gives that connection so and then obviously the manager that week would take you in his office all the, all the new yts and in and you just look and the famous picture of the lads on the crane in New York and the hard work and the dedication and sacrifice that you have to make. And it was just in that office at that time was like, just, this is it. Mm -hmm. This is where we wanted to be. And and this is, this is our job. Mm -hmm. And we're in the office with a, the greatest manager of all time. And we're only, I'm only 16 at the time because I was a young lad in, the young, uh, the youngest in the age in the age group. So, yeah, it was 
mind-blowing to be honest and then obviously the journey went from there so you made your debut against West Brom away Mm -hmm. and then you made another appearance Mm -hmm. and then you went on loan yeah were you disappointed when you were told you were going on loan at that stage because you'd already made two appearances for the club yeah a little bit yeah well obviously you've you have to learn your trade and you have to you have to gain that experience of you knew you weren't going to get games week in week out here because of the team they had it was it was impossible you know you're competing and playing right back you're competing against the arguably one of the best yeah. right backs ever played the game in Gary Neville so um, you had to go out and you had to play men's football that was part and parcel of your education and you know, I'm glad I did that I'm glad I went out on loan and, and experienced that because it stood me in good stead for, mm-hmm. for the rest of my career. Did you go to Antwerp with anyone else? Uh, yeah, Eddie Johnson, and he only lasted a couple of weeks, and he come back, he pulled his hamstring, and I was out there on my own, <laughs> oh, I was no. like, home alone in a hotel, I was like, oh, this is painful, but I managed to get through it. It was, it was tough, because I've never been away from home, to be honest, mm-hmm. even even when I went to Sunderland, uh, when, when I moved up there, it was like two hours away, but the first year I was like, get me back home, get me yeah, back to Manchester. Yeah, because I presume you never had to live in digs, obviously, because no, you were so close. No, I didn't have to, obviously, because I you lived so close. had a unique experience, and, yeah. And obviously, John Hart, the bus driver, was lived a couple of streets away from us. He used to pick me up and, and obviously take us in, but... So Antwerp was kind yeah. of your first experience? Antwerp was of... first experience, yeah, and obviously learnt a lot from that, considering... Did you, did you find a step up difficult from going from there? No. No, no, playing in that league compared to playing training. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, not at all. It was, it was, it was fun because I was playing against men and competing yeah. against some good sides in in Belgium yeah. at the time. But obviously, playing with the training with the first team and playing to that standard, it was nowhere near that. It was nowhere and near then that. When you finished with Antwerp, you came back to United. Yeah. And then, how soon was your next loan? Did you get much game time in between? Yeah, I can't really remember now between that. Um, I know I had a few loans after that. I had a, was, I had a little it, one at Burnley. So you went to Burnley, didn't you? Yeah, I went to Burnley a little bit. Obviously, that was really good because the championship was was cutthroat. It was, it was mm. full of proper blokes back then. It was like, it was a great education and, um, you know, played a few games there and then obviously come back again, played a few more games. and um, But the loans were good for me. I felt like I just... When it, needed, the training you? Monday to Friday was great and stuff, but you get to that point where you where you need that you need mm-hmm. that release on yeah. a Saturday afternoon. And did some pre-season tours. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, how were they? Great. Because one where you played Munich, yeah, yeah. Celtic. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was in America, that one. Yeah, I can't think yeah, who the yeah. third team was. Milan. Yeah, yeah AC Milan, yeah. I think they played them in the, at the New York Stadium. It was like 105 degrees and playing against Shevchenko and Gattuso and all these <laughs> so hot it was so hot but great experiences and them trips were like made you realise if you didn't we already did but realise how big the club was because the whole stadium 100,000 sold out and they all had man U shirts on and don't yes, forget you for playing you, you were th- like do you this is your local football team really yeah. isn't it yes <laughs> and obviously going there and knowing you, that yeah. it, the club's huge but when you go there and you're playing against another huge team in Bayern Munich and AC the other huge team Bayern Munich AC Milan but most of the stadium's got Man United tops mm-hmm. on. You just sort of think, this is... How influential was Gary Neville in your career and how much did he help you along the way? I admired him a lot because the work and the, the work ethic and, and his professionalism. In Manfield, to be fair, they were really good. Top trainers, weren't they amazing? Yeah. Really good, day in, day out. Yeah. Never cut any corners, always on time, always did the right things, applied themselves really, really well every day. 
did extra after training, before training. And they're a great example to young kids to obviously seeing the pathway to for young players to go and play in sort of in the first team and you know they were a great example that hard work and 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 dedication can get you there and you know they they was working hard till till Gaz could stop running I think um, but it was it was phenomenal and that's probably the hardest thing because he was the best he was the best he was he was hands down the best right back in the league for for a decade and probably the timing of where I started. Obviously, broke in 18. He was probably late 20s, so yeah. he was still at a really good age yeah. and was still performing to a to a brilliant level mm-hmm. and playing for England. So, you know, it's tough to to break through then with him in front of you, but you know, got huge respect for him. Always will, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, really good guy. There was a period somewhere, isn't I can't think of the year, but where he was injured, right? And you got a nice run of games yeah, until yeah. maybe November. Yeah, yeah. What was that like for you to to feel like a, a consistent part of the team? Yeah, it was great. Obviously. You, I never felt like that before where, you know, you, you felt like you was a key part of the team because he wasn't, obviously was no one else and you probably earned the right to play. And it was it was nice knowing that obviously he was going to play without thinking, oh, not if I'm going to be on the bench tomorrow in the stand or... And it just gave you that bit more belief that you, you probably deserve to be playing alongside these players and, you know, the years of hard work that you've, that you've put in and the sacrifice that you made and... Uh, it was all worth it because playing at that level, the elite level in the Premier League here every Saturday and playing the Champions League on a Wednesday night in front, in front of a full house, there's just, they're just nothing like it, Maisie, is there? It's just oh, it's the best, it's just, best feeling ever. It's just incredible. Do you ever get nervous before games? Yeah, but just nervous where I couldn't, I just couldn't wait to get out. Yeah. Whereas like the nerves I've always had through my career has been similar to, mm-hmm. to get out. Whereas last year when we was playing in the pandemic and no fans there, it was like completely gone. Yeah. Like that feeling of mm-hmm. playing in front of fans and the, and the excitement and yeah. stuff. But walking out here is, is every lad's dream. What was your experience like playing in Scottish football though? Because obviously Rangers is yeah. a huge club as well. Yeah, it was uh, another great experience. It didn't last too long, to be honest. No. I, uh, Bit of a disagreement there. Was, I was a little bit temperamental at the time. I, I loved playing for Rangers, brilliant experience, and unfortunately missed out on the on the derby game because I got sent off the week before. And then obviously come back in, I sort of like had a feeling we had a Europa League game on a Thursday night, and it was like Tuesday. I sort of like felt I was getting left out for some reason. I was like, didn't know what it was. And then he he, meant, he, he picked the team on the Wednesday, and I just like played eleven. Who's the manager, Paul Gwen the French fella and yeah. he, he picked the team and I sort of like just seen red and just cut someone in half in the middle of the pitch just and uh, that was the end of my Rangers <laughs> career unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> that's just the way it was a little bit temperamental naive young and uh, yeah another great experience but I wish I'd I wish I'd obviously seen it out a little bit longer because I really didn't enjoy my time there mm-hmm. when did you start to think you were going to have a career but not here yeah and that you might have to move on um it was a summer one summer I come back from obviously holidays and did the pre-season and stuff and then and then the manager um the manager we had a we had a really good relationship to be honest he was I say firm but fair but very open and honest and he just pulled me and said obviously the you had Obviously, Gary's still playing. You had Wes Shays, you could play in that position. I think they had the eye on the 
the Brazilian twins at the time. Mm. Obviously, had Simo behind them or in front of them. So the position was getting filled up and um, I could sort of sense that it was getting to that stage mm. where I probably need to move on and, and just for my own career, really. And he just pulled me and said, obviously, I had clubs that I've been interested in you and, you know, I think it'd be a good time obviously to for you to move on and go and play I don't want you staying here till you're 23 24 and, and going stale and you know I respected him for that because he could have kept me in it obviously I was still under contract so I could have stayed here till another few, a few years later but I felt the time was right to move on and um was it tough yeah yeah do you think harder for you being yeah. a Salford boy yeah, as yeah. well yeah it was difficult um but it made it easy that I was going somewhere where, because obviously when I come back, I went on loan to Sheffield United, which obviously Robbo was in charge yeah. and Kiddo was his assistant. So I say through my career, I've always had that affiliation with United, with mm. coaches, managers mm. and, and so on. So the loan made it pretty easy that, because obviously it was with Robbo and Kiddo and stuff. And then, and then in that January was a time where I actually moved to Sunderland and then obviously had Roy was manager and um, Neil Bailey was his coach, so <laughs> I couldn't get away from them. Yeah. It was just, um, but they were everything I needed in my career. They were like, they kept me where, they kept me grounded, they kept me, and they knew. What was the conversation you had with Keeney about it? He just called me up, to be fair, and he said, obviously, I'm looking for players to, obviously, they were struggling in the league, and um, <laughs> he just called me up. He said, I'd be interested in you, would you be interested in coming up? I said, to work with you I was like no chance <laughs> I was like yeah of course I said I, was, I said I'll get up there as soon as possible anyway the fee was agreed drove up and then um, when I managed to do well we won the first two or three games of my first games up there and then I think it was like six or seven games in we played Man City at home and uh, he was getting beat 2-0 at half time and he comes in and he just starts going ballistic and I'm thinking oh no and he's going at everyone you know what it's like when he yeah. loses his drag it's just like, oh no. And everyone's like looking and their heads down. And and I, uh, he comes to me, he goes, and you? He said, you remind me of one of my old teammates. I was like, oh, he must have been all right. <laughs> I was like, he went, yeah. He said, he used to kick the ball out of the play all the time as well. <laughs> I'm like, oh, nice one. <laughs> but he was great. He was he was great. And I, I love working with him. Still have a good relationship. Now I've not seen him for, for a while, but always had good relationship after he left and he moved on and, even when I was at Stoke and he was doing the island stuff, he'd come in my box and, and bring his friends and watch the games and stuff like that. So always had a good relationship. And mm -hmm. uh, it'd be nice to see him back in, the, back in at management at some point because I think he'd deserve another go at it. Mm -hmm. Do you think for him almost the, the, the caricature of him as very angry man yeah. gets in the way of the, the footballer he was and maybe the football brain that he has and the abilities he would have as a manager? He's just passionate and sometimes just c can't control it. Um, but that makes him what he is, I think. Mm -hmm. Doesn't it, Maisie? I yeah, just think he's, he's just, he's got that drive and that passion to just win all the time at whatever cost. And But he's always been, he's always been good with, with me and young players because he's always wanted the best out of us. I remember the first training session where you come over, he... he uh, we're just doing a small passing drill and a soft pass into him. And he said, if you're not going to pass it properly, get back over there, reserve. So sort of like set the standard from an early age. And we were sort of used to used to that. And But I can imagine when we went to went to different clubs, people couldn't accept that mm -hmm. and couldn't take it. But because we've had that 
ingrained in us and we've been brought through the system and seen it and it's firm but fair as you say and you know I've always always respected him for that and he was he played a big part in in my career do you, do you think that the upbringing that you had at United then obviously it's studying very good stead for the, the rest of your career you just said that keen of being in the box and you you know yeah. you, you roll one in slowly and he's having a go at you just people talk about him in training the way he was but I think that whenever you go to another club the standard obviously isn't as good as the players are obviously not mm. as good as they are at United but the intensity in training is totally different yeah I've always tried to maintain that so wherever I've gone from there I've smacked balls into people yeah, yeah, as yeah. hard as I can yeah. and like oh what's going on here but that's just the way you I've been up. brought up yeah. and I had, to, I had to adapt so if I had to adapt they'll have to adapt mm-hmm. and obviously even even to this day when at Burnley now when I first went there and just saw a bit night and then you just start wrapping balls in and everyone's like and then it just takes the training up a notch and it's just about setting standards yeah. and, and maintaining them and I remember being at Blackburn I was probably only 17, 18, 19, 20 just got into the first team and Frank Stapleton obviously played here and played at yeah, Arsenal yeah. Island and I remember doing exactly the same, playing a ball into him, and then he just said to me, "Next time you fire the ball at me, wrap it into me. Yeah, properly. If yeah. I can't control it, yeah, yeah. that's my, my fault. fault. Yeah, yeah. And I learned, it, like I say, from twenty, and from then on, you just end up just wrapping balls in, and no, if they can't control that. Yeah, you've got to pa- you've got to pass it yeah. firm, and absolutely. And that's, that's just the way we was brought up. Even yeah. even before that, we was obviously still passed it firm, but not as firm as you do when you get to the first team level. Yeah. That was that was. Elite. How much of an eye opener was it for you having been through the youth system here, always seeing United being successful, mm-hmm. to them going into position at Sunderland and you're fighting against relegation? Was that a bit of an eye opener? Yeah, it was. Um, but it's something you thrive off. I think mm-hmm. it's different environment, different club, different budgets, and different targets. And Unfortunately, the target was to, to stay in the Premier League season in, season out. And while I was there, we managed to do that. So that's another record I'm proud of to, to say that I went there under Roy and, and seven years later, the, the club was still in the Premier League when I left. So, but yeah, you have to adapt to, to different different clubs and different environments. And, you know, it's a, it's a massive club. The fan base was incredible. The people up there were were friendly it was a good place to live the, like I said it's amazing before the first 12 months were difficult because obviously not really living away from home I mm-hmm. try to get back and but then the month, as the months go by and the years go by it becomes easier to settle and you settle and the kids come along and marriage and all that so you sort of like settle down and settle it into a way of life and but it was a massive club great experience and, and I loved it there to be honest it was uh the difficult, the most difficult day I probably had there, apart from losing the cup final to City, was was when United lost the league to City. Oh, of yeah. course, you were at Sunderland. Yeah, and I, I think I let Wazard in at the back stick for one, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like slowed down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, bang. Um, he said he pulled off the back of me, but I actually thought I slowed down a little bit because I couldn't bear them to win the league. It's a pretty big admission what, there. What were your what were your emotions and thoughts and understanding of what, of what was happening? Because for everybody watching on television, we could all see very clearly what was going on. You but could see on a split We were still on yeah. the pitch. Obviously, we were still on the pitch. Yeah. And obviously, we were, United were winning the league as it stood when, yeah. we, when they come off the pitch. And then everyone's in a great mood, the stadium, because obviously, Sunderland fans, stayed, we've stayed up. End of the season. We're going all over party and stuff. And then, bang. 
the message had come through that obviously they scored a couple of goals and phew, it's a deflation of everything. It was like, just like, so you have to do the lap of honour at Sunderland last day of the season. And, but obviously they're all, because they're not affiliated with United, they're all like yeah, they're United all fans. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, it was like the worst position you could have been in. It was like, get me off here, get me home. Don't think I don't United fans have ever, will ever forgive them for that. No, nah, I think <laughs> we still all, a lot, a lot of them do all the grudge against them, but if it was anywhere it else, is in, it is, isn't it? Yeah. anywhere else in the country, every, every other team would have done exactly the yeah, same. Exactly. I can imagine it, imagine it being at Liverpool. Yeah. What that'd have been like. So <laughs> I've never understood the mindset because in my head, if I was a Sunderland fan and I was there and I was watching, yeah. I'm probably never going to see a team. My team isn't going to win the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. So I'd quite like the opportunity to watch a team be crowned and yeah. lift the trophy and see well, the fireworks. Well, I was jumping so, on the end of the celebrations, yeah. don't you? <laughs> 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 I was on that photo. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, was, uh, I was Albert's ribs for the shirt. And he'd be like, get away from me. You ask me every time you see me. And then uh, I'd have been on the bus on the way back in the party bus. So, But yeah, that was probably, apart from losing the final, that United losing there was, was painful. Mm. What was it like, Jim, the first time you came here to play and had to go into the away dressing room and play yeah, against United? Strange. You just don't know which way to go or what you're doing. Or you, you find yourself, you know what you do, mate? You find yourself talking to someone. So while you're talking to someone, you sort of like chatting to them and then you sort of like miss the away dressing room and you're like, <laughs> and you're like oh, <laughs> left here two years ago. <laughs> so yeah, you get used to it as time goes on. But I say to players now, walk out before games of obviously the clubs that I played for and just, stand there before the game and just like there's nowhere like this mm -hmm. there's nowhere in the Prem or anywhere yeah. that's that gives you this feeling of when you when you walk out here and I think a lot most of them agree absolutely so five and a half years you spent at Sunderland yeah I bet six and a half wasn't it? six and a half yeah Wow. I think so. You done your notes, sir. You're not, you're not, not doing your own again. work, Helen. <laughs> Six and a half years then at Sunderland. Um, was it during this time you made your appearances for Scotland? Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, obviously, the, the gaffer and, and Walt Smith tried to get, obviously get me to play for Scotland years before, but obviously there was still a possibility of playing for England and because while I was playing for United in the league and the Champions League, there was, was a slight chance and then... I think there was an England under 21 fixture and I got a standby letter. I was thinking, standby? I said, I was playing at Old Trafford for United and Champions yeah. League. I'm like, and then that sort of like fizzled out and I sort of like got a bit angry with it. I was like, I'm not really just stick, happy sticking a red yeah. shirt on and playing every week for United. And and then I was up there and then uh, up at Sunderland and then Craig Levine rang me in and said, would you be interested? And then I looked at the fixtures. He had like Czech Republic, Spain and all these. And I thought, you know, it's a great opportunity to, to play at that next level. And um, great experiences playing mm -hmm. against Spain at Hamden and wonderful. So you enjoyed your international I did, career. I did. And then obviously... What's the affiliation with Scotland then? My dad was born in Glasgow. Yeah. I was going to say my mum and dad had a Scotty dog when they were younger. Say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, my dad was born in Glasgow, uh, so he was there a short period of time. So I qualified for to play for Scotland. And, and to be fair to Craig Levine, he wanted all the best players that could qualify for Scotland to try and help them qualify for a major tournament. So I get where he's coming from. And then he left and then uh, Gordon Strachan come in. And then I didn't think I had that same connection with him. I don't, mm. I don't know if he liked... English-speaking players playing for Scotland. I sort of like, had that sort of, you know, when you join up with squad and you you introduce yeah, yeah. everyone. It just didn't come over, and and I just I just didn't have that didn't have that connection. Mm. And it's and it and it happens. It's, it's people 
obviously prefer other players to represent the shirt and that's the sort of feeling I get the first game was like seven English speaking players were on the bench and I was the only one that didn't get on. I was like, what's going on here? Yeah. So from that point on, I was sort of like unsure if you like me sort mm-hmm. of thing. So, and then that was a sort of like end of me international career, mm-hmm. to be honest, because there were a couple of games after and then asked me to come back and I was just like a bit stubborn at the time, probably, mm-hmm. probably should have done it, but it was what it was. And I think first impressions, mate, mm-hmm. are massive and first impression wasn't great. Did you feel the Scottish fans had any issue with you playing? No, not at all. Loved it. Loved it. It didn't sound like it when I made a big tackle early doors (laughs) against Spain. So, um, no, to be fair, after we played Spain away, my dad had come over and he was going out and spending the day in Alicante with a Tartan army and having a pint (laughs) and stuff. And he said, uh, after the game we played him, I was like, I was flying back to, I was flying back to Manchester the next morning with him. So I was like, but I'd, that's, Dad said, I've organised a car, a taxi, out, a taxi outside, and I got outside, I've got dragging my trolley, got my tracksuit on, he's like, it's just down here. I said, drag me about an hour and a half after chasing Pedro around an Iniesta. <laughs> I ended up on the port in Alicante with all the Tartan army with my bag, I was like, oh, I may as well just have a pint while I'm here. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And uh, they had a, my dad and his pals who followed me playing for Scotland, had a, had a, had a good relationship with the lads in the Tartan army, he was... It was good. Good times, to be mm-hmm. fair. And it's just a shame the way it fizzled out a little bit, but it's just sometimes you get a feeling of being wanted and, and I didn't get that. going to take a complete change of subject now. Go on. You told us about uh, time in training, you cut someone in half and put in a big tackle against Spain. We also know you've got a decent right hook. Left. Well, Left hook. Both. Oh, yeah? Both good. Depends what day it yeah. is, yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, there was a very famous, or there is a very famous video of you uh, knocking Wayne Rooney out cold. Yeah. Um, I don't know where to go with this one. <laughs> yeah, we did. The beginning? Uh, yeah, I think it was a Sunday Sunday afternoon and there was a couple of games on and um, we went down around a local, watched the, watched the football, had a couple of pints. It was all very, very calm, sociable. And then the bar was filling up and more people coming up, people falling all over. And I was like, it's getting a bit busy this now. And obviously it was getting a bit boisterous. And so Wayne just said, we'll go back to mine for a drink. So I dragged my brother and a couple of people that he knew along and went back to his and we were having a drink, having a laugh, he playing the guitar and the next minute these boxing gloves appear. I was thinking, what's going on here? So my brother steps up, has a little go with Wazza. Obviously he loves his boxing, doesn't he? He loves scrapping and then as a go, he's like, I was like, give me them, I'll have a go. So I go in and he's throwing a few bombs. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ. And obviously he's big lad, isn't he? He's strong. And then... Obviously, f- exchanging blows, and then he's just proper walked. blows, like yeah, just had a few pints, maybe <laughs> <laughs> a crocky crid and a Salford kid. It's just it's no holding back. So he just walked into obviously a jab, and he just fe- but we try to. He was out for like a little couple of seconds, but it was all panicking. What's going on here? And obviously, I didn't know what to do. No one's panic stations are going on. No signals, thinking if he doesn't open his eyes, I'll phone an ambulance and there's no signal. And oh, so much panic. Anyway, he comes around, goes to the sink. I've got a big cutlet, blood everywhere. He's got a bit of blood coming from those under the sink and he's just looking at each other and laughing. And I thought nothing of it, to be perfectly honest. And then I think one of the lads naively videoed it and sent it with his mate as a bit of, and then before you know it, it gets to, gets yeah. out of, gets out of control. and 
people having a nice holiday off a, off a, off a sparring contest <laughs> between me and Wazza, which I think the best thing about it was the celebration because it just completely yeah. killed the whole thing, which was, which was good. And we've never sparred since, to be honest. That was it. <laughs> I better never do that again. It's that was the end of your rematch. boxing career? No, no. I might do it when we both finished, to be honest. <laughs> I might do it in here. Celebrity. Was that something you were into Celebrity growing boxing. up? Were yeah, I loved it, yeah. yeah. I always have done. Like, just, obviously, it's... Growing up, Salford, isn't it? Yeah, just boxing and discipline from the, mm -hmm. from the sport. And obviously, family members and friends who have who've took part in, in boxing and, and been professionals. And, and like, now I've got friends in the, in the game and go to as many fights as, as I can and love to go over to New York and Vegas to try and watch some and the Gypsy King and something like that. But at the minute it's not possible. So Do you think he ever yeah. will fight here? It'd be lovely, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. be lovely. I think I think he wants to fight here yeah. to be honest. Rumour has it, but obviously I'm not sure the groundsman would be too happy with, no. <laughs> with a pitch Maybe getting in the destroyed. car park. Yeah, probably in the car park. He'd probably do it in both. He could do it in a ring and on the car park, to be honest. But yeah, it's always been something that I've been interested in. And yeah, it's, I say the discipline and the hard work they put in is is inspirational. And it's a sport that changes people's lives, brings a lot of kids off the street and, and teaching them discipline. Yeah. Good chat about boxing. But did you feel awkward after the video came out? Because I guess yeah. you still get asked about it yeah, right yeah. now. By yeah, people like both, you. Yeah, that, yeah, but people like me who were just being nosy. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't feel nice the way it come out because the respect, the respect thing of him inviting us back to his house is mm -hmm. private and and it should never have come out the way it did. And it just goes to show people you can't the, the trust. trust and people that you bring back or the people that you have around. You got to be very careful and you know it's a lesson learned and. Good, good night though. Good night. It was a fun night. Even it was a fun night. But I, yeah, guess, it I, yeah, I guess the lad who took the video or put the video out is no longer a yeah, uh, well, associate. Yeah, no, not associated no. with me. No. Um, but, but that's it. That's it. Though, and that's the truth. That's trust, as you say. Yeah, it's it's one of the things. It, for me, it was just disappointing that he'd yeah. invited us to his house and stuff. Yeah. And and you were such a gracious guest, you knocked him out. Well, I didn't mean to. We didn't mean to. It just, it was just obviously because we were both well, into it? it, and we just both from where we're from, we're both into it, and we thought, let's get the gloves on then and give it a go. So the fight went on in the kitchen. Yeah. The following week, he does his celebration. Was that pre-planned? Was it just? No, I off didn't know the cuff, anything about it? it. But I'm glad he done it. To be honest, I was just at home watching it. it. Brilliant! Oh, it's outstanding! Outstanding! And it just killed the whole thing. Yeah. And I think that's what needed to be done. Mm. Um, so at the end of the day, obviously, we're both professional football players and we're just, <laughs> it was just one of them things where we just just got a little bit out of hand on the night. And um, But yeah, it just wasn't planned. That's what we do, isn't it? Yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. That's what we do. Have a few drinks and things get out of hand. And, but at least, it was in, <laughs> at, least, at least it was in the right place. At least it was... The good thing is, though, that you knocked him out. Not in public. Yeah, well, he nearly knocked me out, to be perfectly honest. So, but. <laughs> Phil, you mentioned before that you always seem to have been associated with Manchester United former players. So you yeah. had Roy Kane, you had Steve Bruce. Then you made the move to Stoke and you had Mark Hughes. Yeah. Uh, what was the negotiations about the move to Stoke? Well, what was the decision behind that? I found myself out the team for a little while at, under a certain manager at Sunderland and then Gus Poyet come in uh, at the beginning of the season, just at the beginning of the season, and um, he was fantastic. Brilliant, brilliant coach. And I love working with him. And um, we, were, we were doing okay in the league, we weren't getting carried away, but then we ended up getting to a cup final. 
And the January, I got a phone call from uh, Rennie was at Fulham at the time. So uh, it was in Castro. I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to be loyal and I was loyal to Gus because he'd brought me back in from the cold and, and uh, I think that was the best yeah. best way to repay him. We were on the cusp of going to a cup final. And then obviously I was out of contract in that summer. So I wanted to see that season out. So I had to say to Rennie, listen, I'm going to be loyal to, to Gus. He's brought him back in for the cold. This is this is the step mm-hmm. I'm going to take. But if you're still there in the summer, then then obviously it'll be an option. So I went through the season, obviously stayed up, got beaten in the final off City. And then I was on all the other, I was out of contract because they were messing about a bit at Sunderland. They had Ellis Shaw, had some mm. American lad who come in and he was his eyes and ears and didn't really know too much about football. I think it was only 29. He was like, oh, I think he's past his best and this and that. And I was like, all right, okay. So he offered me, a, I, think it was t- I think it was just arguing over the years, to be honest. It wasn't about the money, it was about the years. And I felt like I, w- I deserved the, yeah. the years, not just because of what I did on the pitch for the club, just because of some of the stuff I did. Mm-hmm inside the club for the staff I looked after staff uh, made sure they were all okay kitchen staff secretaries cleaners and and I always had that good relationship mm-hmm. with 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 every every staff across the across the board at a club whatever club I've been at so I felt like I owed it to owed it to them I'm going off track here I can't remember what I was on about about you know oh yeah so so anyway I was on Aldine I was on Aldine Tenerife um and then I got a phone call off Sparky saying, obviously, we'd be, be interested in, in taking you. So that was, I was getting married that summer and going on my stag do. And I broke my hand last game of the season. So I've obviously gone into sign and I've got a broken hand. I've got my hand in a cast and I've walked into Sparky's office. He's gone, oh, no, what have you been up to? <laughs> now he's probably thinking, he's been at it again. But no, I broke my hand in, obviously, in, in the last game of the season. And yeah, I spent three good years at Stoke with, with Mark and, you know, brilliant guy, very quiet, very. Very dry sense of humour yeah. and uh, no, good, really good time. Good family feel to it and I think the group, the manager was, was really good, Mark was really good, but we had a brilliant group as well, brilliant group of players. It's parallel, because you told us about uh, Roy Keane and how you you know, yeah. you hope he can get back into the game. Mark Hughes told us when we did his episode of the podcast mm-hmm. that he'd love to get back into management, but he thinks that whilst he isn't finished with football, I think he's always said that football has maybe finished with him because he can't get a job. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, I'm quite surprised, really, with the job that the job he did at Stoke because we finished we, out four seasons, finished nine three times. Which in this league, yeah. competing against this mm-hmm. these type of teams is is a difficult thing to do. I think the club at the time when they did finish ninth and the the, the job Mark did do was a brilliant job. I think the club wanted to go to the next level and probably recruited the wrong type of players for for what Stoke were at the time. Um, brought a lot of lot, nothing against foreign players, but the wrong type of foreign players into the to the type of club it was. Yeah, and they sort of like they come in with bad attitudes and just want the right players for the club. And obviously, I left. I left that summer, and then I think he left a few. He obviously left a few months after that. So obviously, I moved on to on to Burnley then. And yeah, he's obviously I've seen him do the do his media work and and so on, but. It's nice to see him get back in because he's a really good coach mm-hmm. and really good detail of how you want to play and good coaching sessions and good staff around him. And you know, it'd be nice to see him back because, you know, I've got a lot of respect for him and um, a really good guy. The move then to Burnley came about. Mm-hmm. What was your thinking about leaving Stoke and moving on to Burnley? Um, 
just a fresh challenge, I think. Yeah. Obviously, I've done three years. I've done a, done a, a decent stint wherever I've been. So, obviously, three years and obviously the type of players that were coming in and the, the feel was getting a little bit different. And I fancied a new challenge. And, you know, I think Burnley, for me, was a perfect fit. Um, you know, brilliant manager, great group of players, um, good feeling to it, good fan base. And yeah, it was just the right fit at the right time. And you know, I'm still there now, five years later, and mm-hmm. I'm still enjoying it. What's your relationship like with the manager? Good, good. Very open, very honest. He knows what he expects, and we know what he expects. It's high standards. Quite like when I've been through the system here, the coaches that I've had here, mm-hmm. firm but fair. Mm-hmm. His coaching was quite, quite similar to the academy coaching that I, I had through the system. So yeah, it's been good. Good five years. Uh, learned a lot enjoyed it and hopefully you never know this after this year maybe do another one but mm-hmm. say I'm getting a little bit older and obviously clubs do look for for younger players now so we'll see how it plays out but the main the main thing is that I'm still trying still enjoying it and it's difficult when you I said before it's not you're not playing as many games as you like and but I've still got a job to do to to help younger players and and help the team and help the help the team stay in the division which is a, which is the most important thing I think last year we did an incredible job I think we had a net spend of a million quid and if you look at it compared to the teams in around us your villas and all these are spending fortune yeah. so from what we've done last year was was incredible what did you put that down to? obviously the manager plays a big role in the, in the staff but the players yeah. are an incredible group yeah yeah they, 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 they manage themselves is. Mm. Characters. Don't let any standards slip. Good characters, yeah. like a social together. Are you the eldest there then? Uh, Why'd you have to say that? <laughs> yeah, I'm the eldest. You're the senior so. pro now. Eldest, daftest, I think. But um, yeah, it's got a good feel, good mm. family feel, good group. And it's, they a manage, great, it's a they, great little club. I love they, it. They manage yourself and um, listen. We go out on a Saturday, we roll the sleeves up, and everyone who plays against us, I don't think anyone enjoys playing against us. No. They know what they know exactly what they're going to get. But some kids, some teams just can't do anything about it, and yeah, we'll just continue to do that. And and obviously the new owners have come in now and invested some some money into mm-hmm. the into the squad, which is positive for for us and for the future of the club. And you know, hopefully, good things can come. Can I also ask? I think I was trying to work out with one of you two. There's not very many players playing in the Premier League that are still playing. Sorry, that played with Ronaldo when mm-hmm. he was first here. Yeah. You are probably one of the only ones still in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, Danny Welbeck would be another one. Yeah. Johnny. Johnny, yeah. That's three then. Yeah, do you, but know, do you do think you, about that? That's... Do you know Johnny? Yeah. Could you get him on the podcast? No. Right. <laughs> um, but it's quite incredible, isn't it? To think yeah. that there's not many players still playing at that level from when he no, was first here. Um, obviously, we've all took our different paths and gone different ways. And for me... It was obviously leaving United. The most important thing was to forge a career at the highest level, which was the Premier League. And I'm very proud to to say that I'm still playing today in in the Premier League. And you know, obviously, Cristiano has gone on to to achieve. Is it? Is the greatest? Isn't yeah. it? Is it? What? What? There's nothing I can say that. Was he surprised he came back? Good to see him. Just back. I, mean, I don't. I'm not sure he's in the market for him. Is to be honest, but <laughs> because obviously I didn't. I, the, transfers and stuff like that I don't really know what goes on but surely there's speculation that was going on that he had a chance of joining the other half which w- would have been impossible he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't have gone there 
anywhere else in Europe, you probably would have said, mm. yeah, I probably... But as soon as United obviously had a sniffer getting him, there was no doubt, no doubt. Look at the buzz, the feel and the, everything that he's brought back with mm. it. And I said, I took my kids to the Newcastle game. I've never... From when I experienced my experience of playing and walking out and the Champions League music, the Premier League games. and But that was... That was special Incredible, when he come it? back. Yeah, mm-hmm. when he come out, just every time he touched the ball, there was thousands of people standing up taking pictures. <laughs> and then after the game, we just we sat in the north stand over there, and uh, he was clapping the flans and so on, and like he's waving up. It's like that to me, little lads. It's like he's waving at you there. It's like waving back. It's like it's like, but yeah, what a beast. I mean, I remember where Mick Phelan when obviously he used to keep. Cristiano used to love staying out after training and practicing and stuff and, and Mick Phelan used to stick us together one v ones all the time. So he'd just clip a ball in. He was on the twenty five yards out, he'd just dribble at me, try and get past me score. Mostly get past me and score. <laughs> but we just he'd dribble in, shoot in, he'd be cut up his shin, he'd had they'd both cut come in with them white night socks on, but it was just full of blood. It was just so aggressive, so intense, mm. just I wouldn't let him beat me. He wanted to beat me. He wanted to score as many as he could, and and another great, um, a great time of obviously sharing a pitch with mm. with a true great. So we've been sat here chatting for an hour or so. Earlier on, you told us about being sort of eight or nine years old and getting that letter from United, and yeah. there being tears and all that excitement. How do you feel now when you look back and you think about the journey you've been on? Proud, proud. Not an easy thing to do. Um, I said there's the ups and the downs of uh, contracts and are you going to achieve this and not playing and losing games and injuries and so on so there's so many ups and downs and and losing people family and friends that are close to you that have been on the journey with you Mm -hmm. together and I always dreamed of looking back on my career and getting to the end and getting everyone together and having a drink and reminisce and, and you sort of like get a bit older and you start losing yeah. people that have been been there since mm-hmm. she was and obviously I've got big families and big friends and a lot of people from from obviously the social club and fat big extended family and you know when you start these people start getting older and start losing them it's it's difficult but mm. you're just glad they shared the journey with you and and the journey was always the dream was always to to step out here and, and play in front of them and mm-hmm. you know I've done that that's awesome. I think that's it. Mm. That's a perfect, perfect way to end. end. Yeah, mm-hmm. brilliant. Thank you, Phil. No problem. Pleasure. Well, that was a perfect way to end up. A dream come true for him. As a young boy growing up, so close to the cliff, went on to play for Manchester United and play against Manchester United. You know, he made his debut in 2003, December, and he's still playing in the Premier League. Wow. That's remarkable, isn't it? There's not very many players that could say that. Mm-hmm. Mm, that makes me feel old. I finished 2003. But I enjoyed that. I really, oh, really enjoyed good, it. Wasn't it. What a yeah. lovely guy. Great lad. Some of his stories were great. The one about um, him and Ronaldo like playing and training until their ankles were bleeding was amazing. I thought that was really, really cool. And the story about him running down the ring and then smashing someone and Ronaldo looking at him like, what are you, what are you doing that for? <laughs> I thought that was great. That's typical bad all isn't it? Just to smash anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of it, I felt a bit bad like asking so many questions about 
the Rooney knockout boxing no, video. No, you didn't, Sam. But I did. That's because the only thing you wanted to know. <laughs> he, uh, he, he looked a bit, un- not uncomfortable, but clearly it's not a thing he wants to define him or he wants to talk about too much. It's, it shouldn't be the most in- interesting part of his career, and obviously it isn't, but we couldn't not ask about it, could we? No, because that's just, what, two minutes of banter, and yeah. that's what people talk about. Some banter, that, isn't it? <laughs> what did you do today? Oh, just knock was out. Oh, good night then. Yeah. But no, I, th- I think the, the fact that, you know, he grew up so close to Old Trafford and as Ellen's touched on it, you know, to play for your boyhood team and then to play against them, get Rashford sent off, being booed, all that sort of stuff. Just so cool, isn't it? Really is. Mm-hmm. And an international career for Scotland as well. Yeah. Yeah. 13 appearances he made for Scotland. Didn't really end very well, but nonetheless, Aye, incredible. To represent, to represent your country is decent. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think also the fact that probably Gaz was England's right back as well. And the fact he had to leave Old Trafford as well. Yeah. You know, Gaz haunted him really to a certain point. Not being able to get into United then, obviously England. Maisie, um, would you have been el- eligible to play for any other countries? Oh, possibly Northern Ireland because the amount of time I spent over there. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think that's how it works. I yeah. had a few trips. I did have an Irish setter once, but uh, yeah, but no. no I didn't. None of your family it, were. Do you know what? In fact, Irish. I'm actually, um, right now, I've got somebody to do my history tree. The family history. Oh, yes. Yeah. Can you tell us anything interesting? Why have we not talked about this in the opener? Can you tell us anything interesting about your ancestors yet? No, because... Okay, great. Great story. No, because he can't go out. Because if anyone's listening to this, which obviously there's, there's millions of people out there. Yeah, of course. It's it's actually for my parents for Christmas. Because they've oh, always God. wanted oh, to nice. see the family tree. Anyway, I really enjoyed that. So Yeah, it was great. Yeah, top lad. I've got uh, uh, I've had a few tweets since the last well, since the last few episodes went out. Michael said, just finished... Well, this is Michael Taylor who I think is a big fan, said, just finished listening to Katie Zellum's podcast. Absolutely brilliant. Amy T said KZ was very straightforward and she didn't disappoint. Uh, Jacob says, hi, Helen. I've just listened to the Roy Carroll episode on the podcast. What a brilliant man. Fantastic listen. Great job by yourself and Maisie. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much indeed, Jacob. Sorry, Sam, that you weren't included in that one. That's okay. That's the way it goes. Um, but yeah, rolling rolling back the time there with Roy Carroll one. Well, yeah. I like, I like that people we'll are still that. still catching up. I do too. Yeah. Uh, Jason Rigby sent us an email who said, as a United fan, I wanted to share my appreciation and thanks for the great podcast you produce. It's wonderful to hear the stories of those people who have had the pleasure to wear the shirt and form part of the history of Manchester United. It has become my go-to podcast and my recommendation to all my fellow United fans. Some highlights, Jonathan Greening playing snooker with the boss for his place in the final. Lee Sharp sharing his emotional, sad experience at United. Peter Schmeichel, my hero, just his love of everything Manchester and almost blowing up his house. Sir Alex, everything he says. I've listened to this three times. Lastly, the recent share by Rio on the Roma 7-1 game. Because I was there and it was one of the best nights of football I have experienced. It brought a lump to my throat. Future podcast request. Johnny Evans, Common, Helen, Sword It Out, Steve Bruce, Teddy Sheringham, Rene Moulinstein, Roy Keane, Sir Alex again and Vidic. Thanks, Jason from Skipton. Jason, thank you so much for listening and for recommending us. Great suggestions. Yeah, Sword It Out, Helen. Rob Green said he loves the podcast and listens every week. He says he enjoyed listening to Rio whilst in the gym. He also says he misses Maisie's beer machine. Ah, it's been a while, isn't it? I know. I know, it's it's so over there, but don't worry. It'll be getting lots of use at Christmas. Oh, yes. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. So that is it for this episode of the podcast. 
As always, thank you very much for listening. If you want to send us a message or get in touch, the email address is um, unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk and um, we'll see you on the next one. See you soon. Take it easy. Bye.